0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Friday, it's the 20th of October, 2023. Coming up today, we're going to learn about a watch without a watch face. Okay. And also more of your feedback.
1: You're listening
0: to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show.
2: Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Breeze.
0: Yes, yeah, Sean, you had me right. A watch without a face. Watch without a face.
2: Okay, I'm, I'm, not, <coughs> I'm not judging anything. If it makes it more accessible, if there's no visuals to watch on a watch, then it's accessible, right? Must be.
0: Stands to reason, Stephen Scott. Um. Maybe. So it's a watch without a face. <laughs> So, uh, uh, does that make anything more accessible? Does it? Does that not just make things even less accessible for everybody? Is that the solution to all the problems we have? Ah, what, do you know what? The, sell less it, accessibility I'm selling a screen answer. right off this laptop <laughs> and sell it as a keyboard with a computer built in. That's the future. Right, Look at all the society people queuing up to buy it.
2: All right, calm down. We mm. will see
0: that interview coming up. Yes, that's that's right. They're also very <laughs> kindly going to send me one to review. Because you know what? I don't like to judge. Well, um, I, I kind of think
2: you just did. If they, <laughs> if they want to change their mind and send it to me,
0: perfect. Uh, yes, that interview coming up a bit later. One of the many conversations I had this week at CES, or last week actually it was at CES. That was over a week ago. Um, and yes, on tomorrow's show, uh, we'll be running up all the interviews. So if you want to catch up and, and just listen to all the conversations I had with people from CES is all on, plus a few more you haven't heard uh, during oh. this week. That on tomorrow's episode of Double Tap, which will be available as always, noon Eastern on AMI Audio. Oh, come on! I feel like I'm on the podcast uh, the promo here. So or uh, yeah, why not yeah. listen
2: in your favorite yeah. podcast app? Ah,
0: wow! Well, thank well thank done. You. Thank you. Thank you. You are a hero. You've trained me. Trained this particular <laughs> monkey very well. Well you pay peanuts, you know. Anyway, you uh, get elephants. Carrots, yeah. that's right. <laughs> um shall we get into our emails? Because do you know what today I just want to focus on you guys? So, that's not on one one way one day, one day I will learn how this thing works. Yeah, this is what oh, I am looking yeah. for. Emails. We get email. email. We get your email. I'm news from oh. The oh. Oh. oh, see that was quite actually
2: worked. Oh, no, it didn't. It didn't at I all. Like, I was DJing there. You ruined my ding dong
1: there. I was oh. already. Uh, anyway, negative I, Julian's <laughs> been in touch. I'm moving on very swiftly from that. And negative Julian's been in touch. Hello, double tap team, Negative Julian here. Uh first up, sorry if I sound a bit out of sorts and vague. Uh fact is, I had a COVID booster jab yesterday and uh, yes. went to bed feeling fine. But About three o'clock in the morning, I woke up feeling like I'd suddenly got every disease in the medical encyclopedia simultaneously. So, oh. Oof. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, laying in bed feeling grim just makes me feel grimmer. So I decided to send you a voicemail instead. Do you deserve me? Thanks. Um, yes. What I want to contact you about is the long-running discussions about people with um, digital fingering issues and smartphones and how it's really hard for them to use one. Obviously, if they can't use their fingers at all, that's uh, really very limiting and uh, nothing much to say on that. But I'm sure there are quite a large group who can still use their fingers to some extent, but just struggle to do so, and are put off getting involved with a smartphone, uh, purely because they think it's just gonna be too much effort overall. Fine, Um, and you've discussed this a lot, but uh, I think one of the things you haven't really mentioned, probably because it's so obvious to you and any other person who's used a smartphone for a long time, is uh, the extent to which you can do things purely by voice. Um, Obvious to you and me, but for somebody who's never used a smartphone, it might not be obvious at all, and it might make all the difference. Um, For instance, uh, doing a basic thing like making a phone call. If you've got somebody already in your contacts list, uh, let's say she's called Sharon, all you've got to do is say, Hey G, phone Sharon, and the phone will go off and do it for you. Really, the only time you need a finger is uh, to hold the phone and, and maybe to use the fingerprint sensor. Uh, similarly, for text messaging, um, you can just say, Hey G, text Sharon. Uh, Google will come back to you and say, Sure, what do you want to say? And then you just voice dictate the text message and when you pause Google will realize that you finished and say I've got and repeat it to you do you want to send it and uh, if you're happy you can say yes and off it goes and um, hardly any finger involvement at all Um, so you can do all that I'm not going to pretend everything in the garden is is perfect Um, I find that uh, Google is pretty reliable about opening any app with a command, so uh, I could say, hey G, open Lookout, and it'll do it. Um, But once I'm actually in the app, um, then it's a different story, unfortunately. Uh, Wish I could control uh, Lookout by voice, but if it's possible, I haven't found the magic form of words yet. If you know them, please tell me. But uh, there's quite a bit you can do, and there are some apps that are specially designed for voice control. Um, For instance, I think there's one from British Wireless for the Blind, and it's called uh, (laughs) what's it called? Uh, I think it's called Sound Radio or something like that. And um, it is designed to let you listen to any internet radio station in the world purely by using your voice to control it. So um, away you go. So it's a mixed picture, but I think it's something that should be mentioned because it might just sway the balance for some people. Um, As a final thought, perhaps voice control of smartphones is something that Sean could cover in one of his Sean of the Shed episodes. So I think I've got that off my chest now. I like this jab. So um, negative <laughs> Julian saying goodbye and I'll just toddle off and lay down to die now. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> well, please don't. Oh, that Julian. was the last
0: we ever heard.
1: <laughs> it was the last voice. I can tell
0: you he's fine because he sent in another voice message just the other day. So we're, we're, he's fine. He's Get absolutely well fine.
2: Wow. Well, Covid um, got a boost with that one, anyway. Um, yeah, it's a very good point, actually, and I don't know why we didn't bring this up about voice control. Um, it's something that friend of the show Colin has has talked about, and, and um, absolutely true. Again, I'm slightly hesitant because of uh, in in the case of my usage. I mean, Apple Siri has just seemed to have gone downhill. Every time I ask them to ask her to make a call, or it to make a call now, it, um, it just does a. A Google search here's what I found on how it's... to call dad yeah, yeah, okay, great, thanks, but um, yeah, but no, absolutely valid point there,
0: I love it when I ask it to call Sean, and if I say Sean mobile, it will say, you don't have a mobile number for Sean, you have a mobile. you have a home phone number for Sean. Would you like to call Sean on his home phone? <laughs> yes, I want to call Sean priest, right, that's it, just don't give me all this garbage, just do it. it should be the most
2: straightforward and fundamental function of a phone right make a call and
0: it, it does seem
2: to struggle yeah
0: yeah i don't <sighs> get it uh, but it's interesting because when you when it when it gets it wrong so sometimes it will come up with another sean in my contacts but it will just start dialing and i think why do you just jump into that call well, well,
2: well you have but another I want to call sean. sean
0: Priest. i have other sean's in my life yeah
2: there is a, there, are, there are no other sean's how dare you they spell the name differently, though, so it's, it's okay. Oh, well, that's okay. That's seen. That's fine.
0: Okay. Seen, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Seen, people. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, No, nothing more I can say to that. I, I mean, one thing, of course, which is great is, yes, Lady G, as you say, could do that really well on the Android thing. Uh, of course, Google Assistant, I think that's still a thing, um, Or you know, through the smart device. I mean, do people, do people, who's still using a Google Assistant, like a Google I am. Nest? I am. Are you? Yeah, Sarah will not get rid
2: of it. She absolutely loves it and hates Lady A. I've got See, Lady A in every room, me. but I've got a Google Nest in the living room and a Google Nest in the bedroom because she absolutely uses it. I've got to say though, it is more reliable for turning the heating on. I mean, that's mm. basically it. Lady A will sometimes, yeah, no. Can't hang connect. on, do you have
0: a Nest? Do you have a Nest thermostat? Yes. So that's yes. the same company. So you'd expect that, right? You'd expect those two to at least play together.
2: Well, yeah, but I, I, I find it really infuriating that it's it's slightly – that Google have made it more difficult to use on other platforms. I'm sorry. I, I get it, protecting your brand, protecting your ecosystem. But um, anyway, I've got it to work on the Lady A. It, it's mm. okay. But yes,
0: he absolutely prefers Google. That's interesting to me. Because the thing is, you never well, hear people talk about Google Nest. Yeah. I never hear anyone talk about it. I go on the forums, I, I very rarely hear people talk about it. I hear them talk about Android. I hear them talk about Google Assistant on Android devices, but never on the Nest. And I just think, who's using it? Okay. Well, everyone I talks have. about the Echo. Yeah. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, do do get in touch. Tell us what you... And, and tell me what you do on it. If you've got it, what do you do with it? And did you try the Echo and you moved away from it to the Nest? And, and is there a reason for that? It's a bit like the HomePod thing, right? Because... The HomePod for me, it never really hit me at all. I mean, it's basically just Siri, right? It's just Siri again. And I think, well, Siri's not that great. So, you know, I'm not going to, yes. it's not going to be any better inside a gigantic speaker. Um, which is basically true. Gre- which is what it is, right? <laughs> and and that's it. But, you know, we had Greg on, who came on the show with us a while back. And, you know, I'm always minded to that conversation of all the things he was able to do with his. And I was quite impressed by it, you know? I use Siri actually more on my Mac desktop, which seems to do the job quite well. Dictation has definitely improved on iOS 17, that's yes. for sure. Uh, although that's not Siri, though. Um, you could argue that's more you know, That's learning. No, no, but it's used to power within. Siri as
2: well. So, mm. I mean, that has improved. But, of course, the thing with Siri and iOS 17 is that terrible, um, whatever they call it now, the follow-up mode. I can't remember exactly what they call mm. it. But as soon as it hears any other sound it stops talking and thinks you're giving it another command. And there's no way to toggle that off. They need to put that in. I've got to turn (laughs) that follow back, especially if you're using voiceover, obviously. it's.
0: uh... I use these uh, AirPod Pros too, and I love them because they're really nice earbuds, great for lying in bed just listening to stuff, really, really great sound. And they have this, obviously, all these new adaptive audio features that have been announced in the latest update. And one of the features is conversation awareness i think it's called or conversation awareness yeah and basically you can ha- you can be listening to something and then suddenly you start speaking or someone speaks to you and it will dull the sound of whatever you're listening to it will activate the microphone you can hear them you can hear you i've never got that to work properly it seems to pick up absolutely every conversation that's going on <laughs> apart from mine and when i speak it doesn't it completely ignores me just because whatever uh, and, and everyone understand english that's five the people back on the plane the other day, five <laughs> rows back. It was picking up their conversation. Fine, and of course, it's dulling the sound of the podcast I'm trying to listen to. But I, I'm in bed the other night. My wife's listening to a podcast on the Echo. I decided to put my earbuds in because I'm considerate that way. God bless so you. I, I know, honestly, honestly, Sean. Um, yeah, I, I know. know, guys. Please, N- number one husband. I, I, I am only one man, but I am obviously a genius. And uh, so I decided to do this and, you know, I would, you know make sure that my wife could enjoy the podcast. I could hear her podcast all day and night because that conversation was dulling my podcast. Because of the conversation. Because aware. of this feature. So I had to turn it off. Just, exactly just like, the
2: same on the Soundcore frames, by the way. That's the same thing. And it, I thought, oh, that's cool. And I immediately just. It totally infuriated me because no matter what sound, as soon as voiceover spoke, it, it just turns everything down. So, yeah,
0: it shows g- how far we've come and it shows how far we've still got to go with this oh, stuff. That's so deep. Isn't well done, just, you. Thank you. I know I'm Gosh. full of this rubbish today. You're full said of, it. At the end of it. I agree. I've, I've heard this a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's a compliment. Um, but listen, speaking of which, actually, Greg from Pennsylvania has been in touch. Um, oh, compliment, he's got. No, no, definitely not. Uh, Laura reads our emails. Hello, Tappers.
3: I'm writing in response to comments you made on October the 4th. Experience has shown me that you never remember what you said, so I'll summarise as I go along. After saving (sighs) Mastodon as a web app, you seem quite confused about saving web pages as apps with Edge. It's simple. Open the settings menu and go to the app menu. Choose save web page as app. Discussing Braille displays with or without QWERTY keyboards and Vispero not seeing the need to produce a display with a QWERTY keyboard. You then seemingly confuse note-takers with displays. Then Stephen made the assertion that specialist companies just made stuff without regard to our actual needs. A muddled conversation with a lot of muddled thinking, in my opinion. Do you really think for such a small market with limited development resources that these companies don't do any real market research beyond sales figures? I have done no research on this, but my supposition, based solely on people I have met, is that those who invest money in a Braille display tend to be very good at both reading and writing Braille. I suspect the Mantis fills most of the demand for a QWERTY display, so there is very little market share left for another such device in the marketplace. Both Stephen and Sean have the habit of thinking that what works for them is what works for everyone. So, once again, Stephen puts down those who just can't learn a smartphone. There isn't just any reason, Stephen. Some people just can't learn it. According to one rather shoddily done study, about 23% of blind people are unsuccessful in learning to use a smartphone. I don't personally think the actual figure is that high, but here in my locale, the blindness services offered by Pennsylvania push the smartphone and those who can't get the hang of it are left out to dry, not offered specialised devices as they're too expensive. That's just wrong. In the last week of September, during a committee meeting discussing disability and ageing matters, Pennsylvania Senator John Federman, who had had a stroke and lost the ability to process audible speech, made a passionate plea for providing people with access technology, relating how access technology is the only way he can do his job, watch TV or communicate. Sadly, some politicians and media commentators on the other political side responded by calling him a vegetable, a cyborg or claiming a machine did his thinking for him. Here in the USA, accessibility, access technology and disability rights have become a target of the ideological divide that has taken over our nation as common ground has become impossible. Regards, Greg in Pennsylvania.
0: Well, I'm not going to get into the political thing because I think that's a conversation for another day. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what that, how that relates back to what you were talking about earlier, but maybe that was a different point. But you know, from, from my point of view, Greg, I don't think it is muddled thinking. And I, I think I am – I'm just putting out ideas, right? So you guys well, welcome to debate this. I'm not putting out any kind of fait accompli here saying, oh, that's it. You know, this is, this is it. Therefore, I say it. So therefore, that's the way it is. However, my thinking is that, yes, I think there's a lot of products made by specialist companies that have never once either been sat down with a blind person and discussed – Or if they have, they've ignored what blind people have said and just done it anyway. And I see that a lot in specialist tech companies. Now, okay, not in necessarily braille display manufacturing companies, perhaps not. They've been around a lot longer. But there are plenty of examples of products made for us as blind people, in quotes, that are absolutely in no way ever asked for by blind people. Let's just say smart canes. All right. Whoever in the blind world said, you know what I'd like? I'd like to take this white cane that I have, my mobility aid that gets me from A to B, and I'd like to stick an assistant in it, or stick a touch screen in it, or stick a whatever in it, you know. Who asked for that? Did I I don't remember anyone ever asking for that. I don't ever I'm asking me or anyone else if that was something we wanted. So yeah, absolutely. There are pro- there are companies and there are products that come out that are ideas. And that's fine. But you know, I'm not paying to beta test someone else's idea, so that's where I draw a line, and that's why I, I do get a bit concerned. As for the whole real display confusion thing, um, I don't think I was confused at all. I mean, I think I hear various opinions about these devices from people who use them, and these opinions generally range from, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of people do want to have a QWERTY type display from Focus in this particular case. The the Vespero company that makes the focus uh, range, they'd like to see that. They'd also like more functionality inside the focus range as well, making it more like a note taker. I don't think it is a note taker. It's not a note taker. Uh, it's a display with a scratch pad. So you can take notes, you can take basic notes, that kind of thing, but that's as far as it goes. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you want to chime in on that, Sean, but I, I think, you know, the, I don't think it's model thinking. I think it's, it's I, I just want to put an idea out there and, and start a conversation um, again, I'm not putting out absolutes, guys. That's not what I do. This is a this is a place for debate. It's a place for discussion. And it's funny the people who always tell me that they feel the world is just becoming a place where no one can debate anymore are the least likely to want to debate. <laughs> Don't just debate me. Have a discussion. That's fine. We'll get on. This is a safe place, if you want to call it that. Um. No, I don't
2: think I've got anything. I think you've covered everything. The smartphone debate, we, we keep coming back to. And I mean, Negative Julian sort of touched on it as well.
0: And I don't, I don't, and I want to take challenge on this as well. I don't put down people who can't use an iPhone. I've never done that. What I've said is if your excuse is you can't use a smartphone is because you picked one up one day and you didn't really go on with it, and therefore you can't use a smartphone, that's not an excuse to me that's not that you, you can use a smartphone if you want to use one and i will preface this again because i keep having to say this yes because clearly no one I'm hears just me to say yes go on i always say and i always do say this if there's a reason why you can't a physical reason why you can't use a touchscreen absolutely fine totally makes sense to me that is fine absolutely right course you can't use a smartphone if you physically are struggling if you've got my dad has issues with this with his parkinson's he's struggling now to use a touch screen you know he could use a touch screen he now can't or he's having difficulty with it so yeah that's totally understandable total sense but if you don't have anything physically to stop using a touch screen if you're blind and you want to use a smartphone i don't see the challenge i think it's about learning I think it's about taking time. And it goes back to the point. And I'm, I think this is the bit that people don't hear. You're not hearing me when I, I'm not blaming people for this. If I was blaming anybody, I'd say it's whoever gave you the device in the first place isn't putting important resources in front of you. That, I think, is the biggest problem. If you've got your grandson comes in hands you a smartphone and says, there you go, grand. there's a smartphone for you. And she picks it up and she taps away at it and doesn't have a clue what it's doing and then puts puts it back in the drawer and therefore it lives there forever. Is that that she's not capable of using it? No, she's never been trained to use it. She's never understood how to use it from her unique perspective. That's what I keep saying. I don't know why I keep having to say it, but I will keep saying it until someone understands it. I'm not against anybody or saying that the whole world should use a smartphone. If you need or want to use a specialist device, use whatever you want. It's your choice. But don't tell me that blind people can't use a smartphone. I just don't buy it. No, that's what it comes down to. Blindness isn't an obstacle
2: in the way of using a smartphone. No. That's everything else, of course, there's other considerations, but that is the bottom line that we're saying. I don't know how other,
0: another way to say it. No, we can. We, we'll, we'll, we'll just say it again when it comes up again. <laughs> we'll just keep saying it, and hopefully somebody, somebody will actually hear what it is I'm saying. Um, okay, so I want to move on to a nexus. Thank you, Greg, as always for your email. Always, always gets us fired up. You know, gets the, You know what, Greg? You are, you are. I should read your emails in the morning instead of having a coffee. <laughs> Greg is our coffee <laughs> That's it. Greg is our coffee um, but I do love Greg's emails I mean that sincerely so I love getting your emails it makes us think and it challenges and that's what this is all about that's what the show is all about it's a conversation say, the world is say. full of division and, and everyone no one seems to be able to get on anymore that's and not the case feel free here. to
2: pick us up on anything because I must admit I well, do forget you've... what I've said a lot yes I know purely <laughs> I do I
0: do forget <laughs> things quite often so feel free um Alexis in New Jersey on affordable tech and Braille. Uh, Again, Laura reads our email.
3: Hi. First, thank you for responding to my question regarding assistive technology ever being affordable for the average consumer. I think it's an important conversation. While organisations for the blind and visually impaired exist, more should be done for the average person that doesn't involve having said organisations as an intermediate. Regarding the conversation about Braille evolution, I think it's definitely evolving, but I don't believe it's becoming more accessible. It should be, but because braille displays are so expensive, it's not easy to get them into the hands of the people who need or want them. I think that NLS Bard is attempting to do it with their e-reader. However, it's not a note taker, so you can only write with it if you connect it to another device. As for me, I tend to use my braille display as a separate note taker. I rely a lot on it. I'm trying to develop my author career and I write and edit all my stories in it. I also use it for my schoolwork. If they figure out how many people use Braille displays and how, do you think this will push the companies to make their assistive technology more affordable? It would make Braille more accessible to the average customer at any stage of their lives. As for the listener who asked for a podcast for people to learn the basics of assistive technology, I know a YouTube channel. The channel's host does assistive tech demonstrations, reviews and answers basic tech questions. I hope this helps. Kind regards, Anexis from New Jersey.
0: Uh, Anexus, thank you for that. And the uh, YouTube channel that Anexus is talking about was Carry On Accessibility. Of course, we've had Carrie Morales on the oh, show she's with great. us, wonderful person uh, who really knows uh, how to engage with us and, and have some really interesting conversations. She's we've very kindly been welcomed onto her show. Uh, never again, I've noticed, but, you know, we'll just... Never heard from her science. since. Yeah, no, I never heard from her after that. No, no, so no but yeah. she was great. What did you <laughs> say on there? What did, what did you say, say on there? Why is
2: it what always did you mean? say? What did you say more like? I was looking in the mirror at the time. Um, so, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, think yeah. what, what, what's going what's to bring about more uh, more affordable assistive tech? I mean, it's the billion-dollar question. I well, think it comes down what what? Braille, what, specifically. Yeah, I and mean, Braille, what is, it's competition, isn't it? Surely it's never going to change as it is. I mean, isn't it just simply because of the orbit that we've seen any change? And that's another question. Have we seen any change thanks mm. to the introduction of the orbit? Have we?
0: Have we seen any uh, competition to the orbit itself at that price range? I've had a lot of mixed opinions about Orbit products, right? A lot of mixed opinions. Some people love them, some people are not fans. Some people say you pay for what you get. And I think that there's a danger with trying to reduce cost all the time in that you can, you know, these companies have to cut costs in order to cut the costs, right? So they have to find a way to to make the products cheaper. Does that impact on the product's ability? Does it impact on other things? I mean, you know, Orbit is an interesting <laughs> an interesting group of of people because obviously the the idea here is wonderful right it's kind of very similar actually to what soundscape remember we had uh, Kirsty on from scottish tech army and she was talking about you know no one person no one group should own this it should be a a culmination of bringing together and my my joke with these things is usually you know what is a camel It's a horse drawn by committee right so you know there's often a danger when it comes to when these Everyone, all loads of groups get together. They have this intention, this idea, but what comes out is something quite different, and never necessarily close to what you want, but not exactly. And I, I just worry about that with with these kind of things. However, I was really pleased when the Orbit Research Group came along because that showed that you could create cheaper products, and you know, I mean, we say affordable, we're still talking a lot of money. You're talking what seven hundred dollars. US mm. at the minute I think it is for the orbit um the orbit reader 20, 20 plus which is the latest one yeah um and you know again and there's 40 I think it's 1500 or 1400 dollars something like that I mean again more affordable than the alternatives but you know how how good are they in comparison I don't know I honestly don't know I, I'm not up on enough on this to know how good they are I go by what other people tell me um yeah, but we but don't I do, hear a lot well we don't hear a lot that's one thing we hear a lot about human wear. We hear a lot about hymns. We hear a lot about focus because those are the ones that often end up inside the the bubble of education and employment. Those are the companies that That's tend to be yes. in there. So, you know, again, we, we talked about this before, but, you know, I think some of this is about the companies coming up with a two-tier structure and, you know, perhaps the, the money that comes in from the, the government sales and whatever that covers costs for the company, and then there's a, a rental option or some kind of subscription service to a braille display for, for those of us who aren't in work or those of us who just want to have a device like this at home, you know, and not necessarily rely on an employer. I've seen examples in the UK, I've seen this where some employers have actually held off. You know, someone's left a job and they've been told to leave the equipment behind. Mm, yeah. Because they've spent, you know, some, a little bit of money on it. You know, and sometimes it's not always, I mean, bear in mind, it's often the, the, the majority of the money in the UK on the access to work grant scheme is paid for by the government. So it's not paid for by the company. Some of it might be. You might no, find, yeah, say, a, a £10,000 gets spent and a thousand of it's spent by the company. Yeah. So, you know, OK, fine. But th- then what happens is that t- that particular tech has to then be taken back when the person leaves the job and then goes to another job. And then they have to apply and then spend all that money again. And it's like, well, it seems like a ridiculous waste of money. Um Someone's benefiting from that, but it ain't the blind person. Or no. arguably, they are because they're getting new equipment. But you know, they had stuff that was working. So, you know, I, I think it's a bit of a mess at the moment. I think, and and part of the mess is that we are kind of left in the middle of all this. We, as the consumers, don't have a place where we can go and get you know that rental option or subscription option. Which, let's be honest, is that's that's probably where it's going to be. And there's always been the argument for years with Braille Tech that. Well, you know, it's a small market and it's, you know, maybe a diminishing market. I don't know. I don't see stats on this. I don't know if it's a growing market, a diminishing market. I believe it should be a massive growth market. If you're getting kids learning Braille in school, and I've said this before, young kids who are low vision as well as blind learning Braille, it will benefit everybody long term. And it would make a bigger market for these companies, a bigger market share. But I just don't know the stats on this. I don't know, and and you know, affordable is often relative. A hundred dollars could be is. completely unaffordable to someone versus someone else who thinks, "Wow, that's the deal of the decade." Yeah. So I don't yeah. know what the answer is, but it's a very difficult area because it is such a niche market, and it's one of those few areas where you really are in a niche market, right? Because there's
2: We keep saying that, don't we? We keep it saying it's niche. a niche niche market. And then we say, do it's you know how many disabled people out there? There's a,
0: you know, so many millions of us out there in yeah, the world. Yeah, millions, yes, but how many read Braille? How many blind people read Braille, use Braille? And, yeah, that's, but catch and we don't 22. have numbers on this.
2: It's a catch-22. How many people out there have access to a Braille display? Very,
0: very few. And do you know what gets me as well? So these tech companies, these Braille tech companies... They never seem to, at least I don't, I'm not aware of them jumping up and down on this bandwagon. I don't think Why are these companies not getting in touch with me and saying, let's amplify this conversation around young people who are low vision learning Braille? Because look, for them, it's the bottom line that makes the difference, right? So they could benefit massively from more blind people out there learning Braille, more low vision people learning Braille. So I just understand why no one's jumping on this. It feels as if Braille has always been for me one of those things that even it's still to this day I think seen as the the kind of dusty what's left of the past. You know, as we move towards technology, you know, audio is the future, screen readers are the answer. Braille is is just going to drift off into the distance, and that's how it still feels. I know people. I know whenever you have this conversation about the future of braille, I I want to feel positive about it. I just it cannot continue in its current form. It cannot. We cannot continue long term if the devices aren't available. If the only route to getting them is employment, and there are so few of us who aren't in work, something has to give. Yeah. Uh, you so, know what? Yeah, this just conversation that keeps going on and on.
2: I, I, yeah, it I, does. I, I don't does. know where
0: else to take it. Um, listen we'll take a break we'll come back more of your emails and voicemails coming up carry on accessibility on YouTube Uh, we will put a link in our show notes this is Double Tap
2: connect with the Double Tappers on social media now on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air and on Mastodon
0: at
3: Double Tap Dean in New Zealand has been back in touch Hi Stephen, Laura and Long Nose Jim well I'm sure Long Nose Jim is shivering and quivering for what I may have in store for him this time Uh He's off the hook this time. (laughs) OMG, oh Oh my God. Funny if that meant something else. Holy smoke. I don't mind admitting that I thunk in, lol, also meant lots of love. What a terrible mistake that person did on that text from finding out about that death. Lol. A couple of weeks ago, the topic was brung up about blind dating on websites. Even if I was interested in trying my hand at dating on one of those sites, I strongly believe you should declare your blindness or any other disability up front, as it's probably not going to end well. I personally would like a fully sighted lady if it were ever in my stars, as it's not always healthy to have someone of the same disability, I believe. This business of having to potentially pay for functions on Alexa, probably fair enough for the chat GPT stuff, but for everyday use, for your music, radio and playing skills, I'm not down with that at all. What is the 2nd of October holiday about in Canada? I asked all my girls, but didn't really get a reasonable result from any of them that made any sense. Thanks, Dean in New Zealand.
0: Ah okay, where do we start on that one? Um, well, I'll, I asked all my girls
2: for one thing. <laughs> okay um voice assistance um okay uh yes. what
0: the second of october go stephen i I have to be we don't live in Canada, so I don't know there are there are certain days in the calendar we we have days off that are of um significance in Canada for sure um but I, I cannot pretend to you that I'm going to sit here and tell you what that is because I don't know. I would suggest your good friend Google will be the answer to that question. And as
2: for paying for Lady A features, I totally agree with you, Dean. Absolutely. I don't think it's um, going to happen. I, even when it comes down to AI. I'm, I'm sorry. That's going to be how it works. You, you're not going to have to pay extra for that. There. I've said it. That's a you, don't, you don't think guarantee. they're going
0: to charge money for this? Are you... Are you all
2: right? Yeah, no, I am absolutely fine. No, they are not (laughs) going to charge money. If they don't use AI to power their smart speakers in the future, they are going to be left behind. And if they do use AI, which they're going to have to, and they start charging for that, then no one's going to pay that. What they will do is offer services like they do currently, which is Guard or Health or whatever it is, and they're going to make that AI powered, and they will charge you for those bolt-on extras. That's it.
0: I am sure about that. Okay. Um, moving on. Uh, I want to mention the dating apps thing. And you know what, Dean don't don't be so dismissive of the idea of of dating someone of a similar disability. All right, just just don't don't do that. No, it's not healthy. Don't, don't limit yourself. Why would you want to do that? Um, I think you know. I like I mentioned this earlier. You know, I, I at first when I was a kid, I thought, "Oh, I'll not be with someone with a disability because you know why? Why would I want that?" Because I was a kid and I knew nothing. Um, but getting older, it, it, I I don't know. I, I, looking at my life now, I'd much rather be in this position with someone who has a disability who understands it than someone who doesn't. And I'm not saying that in that situation. I mean, I know a couple of people who are in that situation. Um, I tend to think the hardest relationships to deal with are the ones that are where someone has been, you know, essentially not disabled their whole life and then suddenly has a disability. I think that can create all kinds of new problems. Um, obviously, it does, right? But, you know, it has a massive impact on relationships. But that's that's different, right? We're talking here about, you know, meeting someone with a disability. And oftentimes, it's our own fear and our own feelings about disability that gets in the way. Um not to say that you won't meet people who, you know, as soon as they, you find out that, or they find out that you're disabled, will maybe run a mile or run away or, you know, not ever contact you again or whatever. That'll happen. That will absolutely happen. I'm no doubt in that at all. And I'm sure there's many other reasons why people do that, right? I mean, look, it, it seems to be such a superficial age we live in, especially when you're basically choosing a date based on a single image of them. I mean, that seems to be how it works these days, right? You'd swipe an image and you yeah. go, oh, oh, yeah, Arguably, that's next. how it's
2: always worked, right? I mean, you know. Yeah,
0: that's true, yeah, I suppose. Uh, I, I suppose. don't know. I
2: think you're absolutely right about being upfront front with, with, with your disability, though. I mean, I just don't think you can get around it. I don't think you can put it off. I, I totally get There's about getting, it, getting to know the person before they know the disability and immediately, you know, pushing you away. But I, I just think it's something you, that we've got to deal with. You know, I don't think you can put it off. It is tricky, though. I'm not going to say it's easy at all. And I don't think there's a, a, a right or wrong, you know, whether you should date someone who's disabled uh, or not. I, I, I think a lot of us get together through circumstance, you know, either through college where you meet someone and stick with that person for the rest of your life or work or whatever it is. And in our case, a lot of us uh, meet each other in a visually impaired situation. So a lot of us do get together with other people with visual impairments. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that's a just lot of blind people don't, don't know. A lot of blind
0: people have no contact with other blind people at all, especially those people who... Lose sight later in life, probably have no contact with blind people. In fact, probably the last thing they'd want is to be in contact with another blind person. I've heard that a few times as well. Mm. Nothing unusual there. But you know what? All I'm saying is just don't limit yourself, Dean. You know, Um, you could find the love of your life and (sighs) then she's blind. And then the question is who's been the ablest one then? Right, oh. If you're saying, well, hang on a minute, I'm not wanting to be out with you because you're like, well, hang on. You're, you're t- kind of turning it a little bit there, aren't you? It's like following nah, your heart, Dean. Yeah, Just follow, follow your, your heart, heart, not your disability. Nice. Put on a bumper sticker. Um, <laughs>
2: where
0: it... Sorry, he likes yeah, my singing. Paid for that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Lena's been in touch. Hello,
3: Stephen, Sean and Laura. Today on the show, Linda from Arizona asked about podcasts for Learning Jaws. These aren't podcasts, but they are very good free audio resources for learning JAWS. Vespero offers free training material, starting with the basics of JAWS. They're available for download in MP3, HTML and DAISY formats. They also have short videos on YouTube. Finally, Stuart Lawler has a nice introduction to JAWS. Kudos for Sean for enduring criticism with much grace. And the Cambridge Dictionary is on Laura's side when it comes to the pronunciation of lol. Take a much-deserved bow, Laura. Side note from Laura. Thank you very much, Lena. For you, Stephen, (laughs) a bit of history. Before you were born and when I was a new teacher earning one US dollar per hour, lol meant lots of love and XOXOO meant hugs and kisses. When friends and family were in countries other than the US, mailing letters to them was expensive and we squeezed as much on a page as we could. So lol to the Double Tap podcast and thanks for a thoughtful, informative show. Lena.
0: Oh, thank you and lol to
2: you in the traditional sense lots of love oh and i've got to say as well thank you so much lena for your accessible knitting patterns ah oh, i've passed them on and someone is very happy also to you mary Hart. god bless you thank you i got your
0: email thank you is sarah happy with us now is she uh off uh
2: oh she is making yeah, everything she's... in sight oh yes i am just oh i i don't like knitted jumpers i must say but um Itchy. Itchy. I, I'm, I'm going to have to get used to them.
0: Yeah, I think you should. I would get long-armed T-shirts. Yes. That's the solution. Long-sleeve T-shirts. Long-armed? What am I talking about? Long-sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get those long-arm ones. You know, yeah, no, short-arm yeah. ones. Get those ones for the long arms. <laughs> Slender man over here. Um, oh, right, wise. so uh, thank you, Lena. Thank you for that. Um, also, Janine wants to get in touch. Uh, more history, apparently. It was a historical show today. Yes, they've become the history channel, Uh, this time on the history of QWERTY keyboards. Hi,
3: DoubleTup guys. A short history lesson. There will be a quiz, so take notes on your device of choice. The Type and Speak was the first device to feature a QWERTY keyboard with the capability for the FDS and JKL keys to be used for entering Braille. I remember not being able to contain my excitement when this first came out in the late 1990s. I loved my Braille and Speak for taking notes and all, but I could and still can type faster on a QWERTY keyboard than on a Braille one. I never did get the hang of using the Home Row keys for Braille. Then, circa 2005 or so, maybe earlier, Humanware came out with the BrailleNote QT, with refreshable Braille and a QWERTY keyboard. Yay! Actually, there was a Braille and Speak product called the Packmate that had a refreshable display before the Humanware ones, but it was, as I recall, notoriously unreliable. In other words, it didn't seem to survive a pack well. Shortly after the BrailleNote QT came out, HIMS also came out with the QWERTY version of their note-taker, it seems that a lot of people do like to read braille or have it check things, but want to type on a QWERTY keyboard. Most of the keyboards on these devices were, and may still be, squishy with keys that were slightly smaller than those on a standard QWERTY keyboard. So, if you switched from notetaker to computer often, you'd have some serious typing issues for a bit until you got used to the size and spacing. At least the QWERTY keyboards were quiet. Not even close to click, but quiet. Many of us remember hearing the pounding of Braille keyboards during many a meeting in the 90s through mid-2000s. People felt the need to really hammer those Braille keys as if using a 1950s Perkins Brailler. (laughs) Amusingly, Autocorrect just changed that to Broiler. At least people didn't (laughs) seem to hammer the QWERTY ones as much. OK, quiz time. Who came out with the first commercial note-taker for the blind with a QWERTY keyboard? This is actually a true question. Lumbus. I want to say there was a <laughs> note-taker type thing called, I think, the squirt that was made by Arctic Vision in the late 80s to early 90s. It has a squirt. tiny quirti keyboard with keys the size of chiclets. There may have been others, but it was before its time. Given that Blazy Engineering already had a huge market by the time the type and speak came out, it pretty much killed anything else. I know it got me through grad school very well, thank you. So there you go, gentlemen. Janine, who is old enough to remember I and I files for installation.
2: Wow. Any <sighs> CFGs, wow. eh? Autoexec.bat. Oh, IRQ conflicts. Oh, let's go back. Let's reminisce. Um, oh, I re- I re- geek.
0: I, re- <laughs> I remember
2: the pack, mate, from my uh, college days in Hereford. I remember the pack, mate. Everyone was very excited by that. But um, yeah, the Brown and Speak was a, a bit of a hit, wasn't
0: it? Everyone talks fondly about the brands. Yeah, that was the one I remember way back when. And and you know, it's funny. I, in some ways, I think people are more excited about Braille Tech then. Yeah, it's this idea that there's been this massive um, change in the way we look at Braille Tech. But I don't. It's been amongst those who are interested in it. It's been that way for a long time. You know, and I would say that arguably there were better products back then. I mean, I get different products. Of course, it was different. Um, a lot of them were standalone products. I mean, these days, of course, it's all about connecting to different devices and all of that. But that's really, that's the evolution part, really. That's where it's changed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... It was, it, it's, well,
2: it was, the, be- it was the better option back then. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, compared to mainstream. I remember the, the computer science lab that I used to work in, in uh, at college was, I mean, the the equipment in there was... Was huge and all hardware um, speech synths and you know it it was uh, going to a a, something like a a Braille and speak going to a PackMate was like uh, wow this is cutting edge technology like it's portable I can carry it around I can take notes and it it just works really well compared to a a laptop with a a deck talk speech synth welded onto the side of it or whatever it was yeah 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 I know there were still Um, things like Jaws and stuff but you know
0: Janine thank you for that. Um, let's get a voicemail from Peter I haven't heard from Peter in a while Hi Stephen,
4: Sean and all double tappers it's Peter in Robin Hood County hoping all is well thank you for all the shows, demos, emails and opinions etc I do like the Be My AI app and thank you to the person who sent in the email asking how to get into it because I didn't know either until I looked at it after Sean had answered the query and selected the do you need visual assistance and I was away like a kid in the sweet shop a candy (laughs) shop for those living in America and Canada but it's really good I used it to have a look at a picture I'd taken some years ago when we went to Norfolk and watched the sunrise standing on the beach I think it was in the 80s that I took the photograph so it did a good description And I did like the Train Sounds app, but don't look for the UK anytime soon. They're all on strike again. (laughs) Who is working in this country, I'd like to know. Anyway, there's an app that may be of use to some of you who travel around a lot. It's called Flush, and it tells you where all the public toilets are. For those in the UK, forget it. The councils have probably shut your public toilets. (laughs) But when I took well, used the app in Nottingham City Centre, it pointed me to some shops, I think, and I actually went in there with my white stick and, and said, just before I buy so-and-so, can I use your loo? And they said, yes, that's fine. But apparently, if you're not buying anything, they get really uptight about it as if you're invading their privacy. But it is a good app, and it has a reasonable voiceover use. I wouldn't say it was brilliant. But Elaine could manage to see it, so I was lucky there. But it's quite an interesting little app. And if you're going abroad, don't forget to add Flighty to your list of apps as well, or FlightAware, whichever the two. I came across those two because one of my friends travels a lot and he uses FlightAware and Flighty. Anyway, again, thanks for all the shows and look forward to hearing even more. Take care for now from Pete in Robin Hood County. Bye-bye for now. I've got a meal prep- to prepare because my wife's gone out on the lash. For those of you overseas, <laughs> she's gone out with her friends for lunch. Bye, guys. <laughs>
1: that's not
2: exactly a direct translation of that, that word, but I, okay.
0: Yeah, that's, let's just see that. Well, maybe just say... Add alcohol to that. That's all you need to to say there. (laughs) A liquid lunch. A liquid lunch. Um, Yeah, well, we all know who knows all about those. Um, Anyway, (laughs) finally, before we go, uh, just one final of my interviews this week that we've been playing out from CES last week uh, in Amsterdam. And I got the chance to learn about a new smartwatch, without a face.
5: Hi, my name is uh, Michiel um, and I work at NowWatch. NowWatch is a wearable. It's a smartwatch that doesn't have a screen but it's basically smart jewelry. So we built a stylish health tracker that focuses on stress mainly. So we are the best stress tracker in the world and it also attracts sleep and movement. And and I'm
0: guessing you're building this from the, the perspective of wellness. Of trying to create a product which can make it more enjoyable to have a device not just another screen on your wrist?
5: So in this fast-paced society people are losing the connection with themselves Um, and we feel that one of the uh, reasons for that is all this technology that is constantly like bombarding us with stimuli basically and we are connected with the outside world so to say so with uh, calls and messages and we're just all the time online basically, but that's also why we lose the connection with who, who we are and how we feel. And we believe that this is a major reason for people getting burnouts and getting sick because of all the stressors that they experience during the day. And so we built a device that is nice to wear uh, because you you can wear this every day, you can actually. Uh, take out the front of the watch and the wristbands as well and the technology is just inside of here so uh, it's really customizable per day and it doesn't have the screen that distracts you but it connects to an app and that's where you can read your data.
0: Describe this watch as much as you can for me.
5: So now watch consists of three different parts it has a case that comes in a gold, rose gold and a silver uh, coating Um, and it is a round uh, watch and basically you can add to that with uh, 18 different straps so these are leather straps, recycled ocean, plastic straps and these come in 18 different colours and then on top of that the watch basically itself is empty so it is kind of a round uh, watch, so to say, but the watch face is not in there. And in that watch face, you can add uh, 10 different discs. So, and those discs are ranging from amethyst uh, uh, minerals to white agate, uh, all kinds of other minerals, basically. And that make it really look like a piece of jewelry. And on top of that, there's three metal discs. And those are really clean, uh, a clean surface, basically, uh, from metal. Also in these three different colors, gold, rose gold and silver. And then at CES 2024, we're releasing three Kronos discs. And you can also add them and add them to the watch, basically. Um, And those will tell the time. So that will be a traditional watch face, so to say. Um, And you can take all of those components apart in and out. But the casing itself, that's where all the technology is inside. So that's what measures your your stress, your sleep, and your movement.
0: So so talk me through how the operating system works, because you say there's no screen.
5: Yeah. So it can communicate with you through vibrations. And you have this little uh, button here. And that crown, you can press it to say, for example, hey, I want to do a check-in. Or I want to start measuring a particular window of time. We call it a session. So when you're gonna, when you're experiencing a stressful event, you can press the button, for example. Then on your phone you will get a notification, and you can check in uh, the like you can say how you are feeling basically. And this is a way of adding subjective input um, to the sensor data. So instead of just relying on all the sensors telling kind of telling you how you feel and things like that. Uh, We try to make it more interactive because technology is quite good, but it's not there yet that it can always tell you how you feel. And we wanna work with the user basically in uh, getting a more accurate profile of how you're actually feeling. And that feeds into this algorithm.
0: Tell me about availability of all of this.
5: So now what you're shipping uh, since, uh, the beginning of this year to North America and Europe. So people in... We get orders from Canada all the time as well. Um, and you can choose on, the, on our website, you can choose what fi- configuration you want. Uh, and basically you can choose all the products. So then you will have 18 different... Or no, even 150 different ways of configuring your watch. Um, or you can just choose one color one strap one disc and that's all available on our website, and we ship within three days uh, and the price we're changing the price a bit um but so far it's starting from uh 399 euros and depending on how many discs and straps you add it can become more expensive but so on average our customers spends around 450 euros per order
0: so a smartwatch with a difference for sure um I am going to get my hands on with this and I'm looking forward to trying it out just to see how this works because, you know, immediately I'm thinking it's a lot of money. Yes. Um and you know <laughs> yes. uh, yeah let's just leave it at that let's <laughs> let's see how it actually it could be the best thing ever i don't know i mean people are buying it so you know that i says like the something, idea but.
2: i like the concept of smart jewelry actually something that gives some added functionality and you know health sensory yeah. and uh, things like that absolutely great but aren't we just shifting the 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 screen off the device onto an app on your smartphone yeah. anyway i don't know yeah you'll have to get your hands on and, and find out
0: I I am not entirely against this idea of moving away from um, the endless notifications. I have to say, the Apple Watch is a nightmare for it. You feel like you're playing whack-a-mole all the time with notifications. It's true. Yeah, and you know we don't have the screen on, so okay, that's different. And I often I often wonder about this. What is that connection? Because there's a, this visual relationship people have with tech that that they see as it's almost becoming like a bad thing, right? But then there's also that conversation around, well, okay, I, I don't use the screen, but I'm still irritated by those notifications. I still get a feeling of, oh, I must check that message when it comes in. So is it about visuals or is it more about the notification and I've that just constant a, demand for attention? That the, the constant connection. Has? Do we just yeah. need to
2: disconnect sometimes?
0: Mm. You first. Um, no. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, listen, really interesting show coming up tomorrow. We're going to be looking back at CES in Amsterdam and uh, all the interviews. You can listen to them on tomorrow's show uh, or CES Unveiled in Amsterdam special airs tomorrow on AMI Audio and on podcast on Monday. I think you'll find a very interesting conversation to come on uh, the subject of soundscape. We're going to be meeting one of the key people who invented soundscape right back at the beginning. Wow. And the company and the organization that's taking it forward. All that coming up on Monday's show. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
4: Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.